Today on The Journey. Paul says, take off the dirty, out-of-date clothes of inappropriate behavior and put on clean clothes. Clothes that will need constant refreshing as you walk with Christ. Like the buildup of cholesterol in an artery, mounting sins, even those you believe to be insignificant, can threaten your spiritual life. Today, Ron Moore diagnoses those dangerous growths and prescribes clot-busting antidotes that result in an overflowing heart. Also, we want you to know about a companion devotional to this series. There you'll learn how to share in Christ's overflowing life, a life full of joy and passion. It's available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Fully Overflowing on the Journey. I want to begin by looking at a quote from a book that was written in 1948. It could have been written yesterday. It was written by a pastor in Chicago area named A.W. Tozier. And the book is called The Pursuit of God. Tozier says, self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. I want to stop there. If you're having an issue with God, if you are not walking as close with God as you know you should be, what's the problem? You are. I am. Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. It can be removed only in spiritual exercise, never by mere instruction. We may as well try to instruct leprosy out of our system. There must be a work of God in destruction before we are free. We must invite the cross to do its deadly work within us. We must bring our self-sins to the cross for judgment. That is a powerful quote. And what Tozier says is this. If there's an issue in your spiritual life, it is not your mom's fault or your dad's fault or your brother or your sister's fault. It is your issue. And you need to make certain that you deal with it. You cannot come and hear a sermon and that be the end all and be all. Last we looked at some sins of our life that Paul says we as Christians need to put to death. We need to deal with those sins. We need to beat them down. We need to make sure we do not give in to those sins. And just like if you deny a muscle exercise, what happens? It atrophies. If you deny those sins their pleasure, if you deny those sins, then those sins will weaken, Paul says. Never go away, but they will weaken in your life. And until you do that, you are living your desires over God's known will. You are doing what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. And when you are not doing what God wants you to do, remember, you are putting up a solid veil between yourself and God. And you got to say, God, I want you. That's the key. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. I want you to come and destroy that veil. Paul gave us the metaphor of put to death. And today he gives us another metaphor. He changes metaphors. And in these verses today, he's going to talk about taking off sins of our life that we should not be wearing and putting on the clothes that we should be wearing. So Paul is going to tell us today what a well-dressed Christian does and doesn't wear. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 8. 
Paul says this, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Here's a list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Paul says in verse 8, we are to rid ourselves of such sins. Now, the word rid of means to take off clothing. Take it off and don't pick it up again. These are clothes that as a Christian, you do not want to wear. These are clothes that do not look good on you. They are not your color. They are not your style. It's not in fashion for a person who professes to love Jesus Christ and be devoted to Jesus Christ to wear these types of clothes. So you need to take them off and don't put them on again. Here's the first one. Anger. Easily irritated. Always annoyed. Flying off the handle, quickly defensive, carrying resentment. Some of you have been wearing this ugly garment for years. Still mad at a parent because of what they did or didn't do. Or a sibling, or a friend, or a supervisor that didn't give you the job that you knew you should have had, which puts you in the place you are today. Anger. doesn't look good on a Christian, does it? So Paul says, remove the ugly, stinking, unattractive garment of anger and lay it down and don't pick it up again. Here's another one. Rage. The Greek word thumos. It means a burning anger which flares up with the intensity of a fire. Anger is an irritated disposition. Rage is anger acted out. A lot of times it's translated fits of rage. And it results in glaring stares. It results in vicious words. In the extreme, it results in physical blows. A lot of words in the Old Testament were used to picture what the emotion looked like. So do you know what the word for anger and rage is in the Old Testament? It's the word off, which means nostrils. Because what happens when a person gets really mad? Their nostrils flare out. And so the Hebrew language says nostrils for rage and anger because their nostrils are flaring out. It's a pretty ugly picture, isn't it? A believer wearing a way out of style, flaming red polyester leisure suit with flaming nostrils. <laughs> it just doesn't look good. Next one is malice. Now... Anger has turned vicious. 
Malice is getting to the point where you want to harm another person. And in the extreme cases, it's carried out. You say, well, I've never touched another person. I wouldn't do that. But Jesus always backs those sins up, doesn't he? And says, if you really want to do it in your heart, that's where the issue is. Slander is the next one. The Greek word blasphemia. We get the word blasphemy from it. Slander is an attempt to belittle a person and cause them to be disrespected. Describe them in a way that will damage their reputation. And just like dirty hands is the carrier of disease, so gossip is a transmitter of slander. So take off that ugly garment. Paul says, put it down and don't pick it back up again. Filthy language. Filthy language is obscene language that ranges anywhere from sexual connotations to toilet humor. And Paul says it's just not fitting for a believer who loves Jesus Christ to go around talking like that. So you need to take it off and don't pick it back up again. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices. Now that includes a bold-faced lie or just trying to deceive someone by not telling all the truth. You know, you can tell most of the truth and still be telling a lie. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go around and tell people your baby is really ugly. It may be, but you don't need to say that. There are things you do not need to say and still be a truthful person. We're going to talk a little bit about being kind. But at the same time, you need to tell the truth. People tell lies for a lot of reasons, sometimes to get out of trouble, sometimes to avoid conflict, sometimes to cover a mistake you made at work, sometimes to get attention, sometimes to get somebody else in trouble. The list goes on. But whatever the reason, Paul says, take that off. This doesn't look good. Put it down and don't pick it up again. It's not becoming on a believer. Proverbs chapter 6 says this, the six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him, haunty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. I was interested to note that two times in those seven things God detests, two times lying is mentioned. Look at verse 10. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. The new self that you have in Christ is being renewed. Paul says, take off the dirty, out-of-date clothes of inappropriate behavior and put on clean clothes. Clothes that will need constant refreshing as you walk with Christ. Paul says the same thing in another passage in Romans 13. I want to read that. Listen to what he says. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality or debauchery, nor in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
What does it look like to clothe yourself with Christ? Paul starts that in chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, he says, as God's chosen people, you have been chosen by God to be his. Holy. You have been set apart by God. Dearly loved. Loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. As God's chosen people, holy people, dearly loved people, here's what you should clothe yourself with. These are the things that are in fashion for the believer. I want to go through them very quickly, and then I want to circle back and just focus on one during our time this morning. Here's the first one, compassion. Showing mercy to each other, not showing pity to one another, not just saying, oh, I feel sorry for that person, but compassion acts itself out and says, yeah, I feel sorry for that person, and I have the means to do something about it. I'm going to help them in whatever way I can. Compassion is action. And Paul says kindness, simply expressing yourself in helpful and friendly deeds to each other. Be kind to one another. Don't be mean to each other. That doesn't look good. Be kind to one another. Humility, not thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Now, humility is like a two-sided coin. On one side, it recognizes that we are absolutely nothing. We have nothing to offer God. We are weak. We are inept. We are unable to do anything. That's the weak part. Now, if you just want to stay there, you're going to go roll up in a corner and die. You'll be paralyzed. The other side of humility is this. I am weak, but God is strong. I have all these issues I'm not thinking more highly of myself than I should, but I have a Savior who died for my sins and can give me all the strength I need to be who God wants me to be. So humility is not, again, rolling up in a corner. Humility is saying, I am nothing without God. And so Paul will say, remember, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Because I realize in myself I can't do anything, but I realize through Christ I can do everything he needs me to do. The Apostle Peter says it like this. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And then he says this. Humble yourselves before God, therefore under God's mighty hand. That's the weak side of the coin. Why? So that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself before God so that he is the one who lifts you up? Boy, humility looks good on a believer. Meekness is the next one. Meekness is not cowardice. Meekness is strength under control. For the Christian, strength under control of the Holy Spirit. Patience. Holding out before acting. Waiting before speaking. And here, particularly in Scripture, it involves handling difficult situations, even injustices in your life, without revenge or retaliation. If you want a great study of patience in Scripture, read the prophets and see how they took the message of God to the leaders of the land. Sometimes they were beaten, flogged, thrown into pits, run out of town, and yet they continued to take the message of God 
in difficult circumstances. In fact, James says, brother, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of God. Here's one. Bear with each other. Endure with. Put up with each other. We are not going to agree with everything in the body of Christ. We're not going to agree with each other all the time. Our personalities are not always going to jive. And sometimes that calls for kindness and meekness and patience and humility. And sometimes it means we simply put up with one another. Bear with each other does not mean you can get by with saying, well, hey, that's just me. That's not the deal. If there's sin in our life, we got to deal with it. But at the same time, as we are sinners, we're going to have to put up with each other. Forgiveness is another one. I'll come back to that one. And then Paul says in verse 14, And over all these virtues, put on love. Always comes back to that, doesn't it? Put on love, which binds them together in perfect union. Look at the picture Paul is painting. You have all these things. And Paul says, love is like a rope that you just tie around those things. It binds them together in perfect unity. Now, love is not some worn out word that you hear in every song. Love is an action. Remember, Paul says, it's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It isn't irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It rejoices not when injustice wins out, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures every circumstance. Love never fails. I've gone through those quickly, but I wanted to go back and just focus on one in the remaining time. And that is the aspect of forgiveness. You see, you can't follow Christ and move ahead when you're holding on to stuff in the past. And Paul says here, you have to forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. If you don't forgive those grievances, you're going to be tied to a pole of bitterness. And you're going to stay there, chained to that pole. Someone has well described unforgiveness as the poison we drink, hoping the other person will die. And so we keep this unforgiveness within us and it boils and it boils until it's eating us up. Paul says, forgive whatever grievances you have. And then he makes this statement that just kind of drives the nail down deep. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now think about all the times you've sinned. Think about all the times you have disappointed God. Think about all the times you have known what you were supposed to do and just chose not to do it. And He's willing to forgive you. Every sin of yours and mine on the cross with Him. And so Paul says, forgive, but Christians 
Here's the deal. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some of you are held back from serving the Lord fully because of your unwillingness to forgive. And in our natural person, quite honestly, when someone has hurt us or someone has disappointed us, naturally we like to just chew on that, don't we? But again, we're the ones that are being poisoned. Harboring a grudge will lead you back into those sins of the dirty clothes that we talked about earlier. Remember, you're supposed to take them off. Some of you have tried to take off these sins for years, and you can't do it. Some of you have been hanging on with unforgiveness for years, and you can't do it. But remember, God can. He's the one who's going to supply the help you need. He's the one who's going to supply the strength you need. God is the one who gives us everything we need. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Would you like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? One who experiences His power, peace, truth, and joy? Well, that's what Paul wanted for the Colossian church, and his letter to them still resonates with our hearts today. Let it resonate with yours by claiming your copy of Ron Moore's devotional titled Overflowing. This digital companion to the audio series we're currently enjoying will fill your soul with security, commitment, and liberty in Christ. You can get yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. Marriage and family is a powerful partnership. It's the most influential and the most important affiliation we will ever have on this earth. So prevailing that family of our origin impacts us for better or worse over our entire lives. The Apostle Paul was so aware of the importance of family and the need to do it right. And so as he writes his letter to this church in Colossae, he addresses this issue of family. In chapter 3, he gives us some very practical instruction. And I got to tell you, some very misunderstood instruction. Chapter 3, verse 18. Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now remember, we said marriage is a partnership. So for this to work, it's not only the wife playing her role, but also the man the husband must do his part and play his God-given role. And so Paul says in verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word harsh has the idea of friction caused by impatience or thoughtlessness. Reckless words, the proverb says, pierce like a sword. 
And God in no way meant for the husband to act as a dictator, but loving leadership. The husband must love his wife as Christ loved the church, Paul says in Ephesians, and gave himself up for her. Here is a sacrificial love. Here's a Christ-like love that runs with such depth and such emotion that the husband is willing to give, if need be, his very life for his wife. And she needs to know that every day. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And to help you experience the abundant life, we invite you to download a PDF copy of Overflowing. It's a powerful reminder that Christ has provided all you need for life and godliness, a life filled to overflowing. Overflowing is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.